Hello guys and girls and welcome to episode 85 of the F Reality podcast. This is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook and on Twitch. You can tune into the show live at 7pm in Europe, 6pm in the UK and 12 midday in Central US. You can also check out the audio version which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and on Anchor. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or leave us a nice review on iTunes, because that would really help us out. Happy Easter to everyone that's joining us live today in the chat or in VR in Altspace. We really appreciate you getting involved in the discussion with us each week. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback during the show, put them in the chat or try to answer as many questions as we can. Now it's time for me to introduce you to the team. First up, this guy thrives in the wild and has the ability to talk to all winged animals so our resident bird whisperer is Zimtok5. How you doing, man? You all right? <laughs> hey, Mike. How's it going? Uh, it's been a uh, it's been a good week. I've I've, I've just always take advantage uh, of of the fact of being a um, what I like to call a corporate slave. If you are employed, then you have one benefit over entrepreneurs who work crazy hours to pump out YouTube videos and the like, um, which is holidays are holidays. Which means that on a holiday. We can do what we like. So I took my uh, day off yesterday and turned that into a full-on playthrough of Falcon Age, which I was dying to do from before. So I think that's what Bird Whisperer uh, Zim is is now what I'm known for to Mike. Exactly. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it, actually, because it's one of those games that I intended to play this week, but just didn't get time. So I'm looking forward to hopefully playing it next week, but really intrigued what you think of it. Um, but yeah, Zim likes petting birds, but this next guy likes flipping birds. He has the face of a criminal, but the voice of an angel. He's a lovable, a lovable rogue. It's the rowdy guy. How you doing, man? You're right. <laughs> the voice of an angel, just because I did that that one like singing bit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Just a bit, just a bit hot here. I'm sitting here in my traditional wedding outfit. Uh, for people who didn't join last week's episode, uh, so I got I got married in Nigeria to uh, to my my I should I should call her my wife right now, but um, we did it with a, a traditional ceremony, and I promise everyone on uh, last week's show that I would actually wear to the traditional outfit today. I am still wearing shorts. Uh, I'm not going to show them because it's bloody hard and I'm pretty much roasting up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. A rowdy always keeps his word. You know, when he makes a promise, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it can't be broken. Yeah. So, so uh, next up, huge congratulations are in order for this next guy as he's celebrating 10 years on YouTube this week. Of course, Nathy. How you doing, man? You're right. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And that's that's a better intro than the last one where you called me Nathy. <laughs> well, I've got to mix it up. You know, I can't be mean to you every week. Otherwise, people, you know, yes. have a go. At yes, me. They, they will think we have a beef together in, in exactly. some way. Although yeah. that is good for the views. After, after 10 <laughs> years, you know, you become an expert in, in what people really want to see, right? So Yeah, we need to start some YouTube drama. That's what we need. Yes, To spice exactly. up the VR industry. <laughs> yes, <laughs> diss tracks. We're going to drop some some sick, <laughs> sick-ass diss tracks on each other. Exactly. Or maybe maybe we should make diss tracks where headsets are dissing each other. I like the idea. I like that idea. The, I see the chat has already started, by the way, because someone asked, wait, Nady started when he was four? Oh! <laughs> hey, but that, that means I still look young. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for the compliment. Yeah. Nice. So how, how has the last, like, t you know, 10 years is a long time. How has that been? Just like to quick summarize it, you know, how's it been for you? Because this uh, is all you've ever known, right? You've never done really anything else. 
No, I, well, I did, I did. <laughs> well, it sounds like I've been only be a, a YouTuber from, from when I got born to now. That's not true, of course. I did have other jobs next to my YouTube uh, right. adventures too. Um, but um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been well, especially the last two, three years, because I'm now doing it full time, just like you. And before that, I was always, you know, uh, uploading videos for fun and just doing doing it as a hobby. And now it's like this this crazy life and where you you fly all over the planet to to meet uh, companies to check out new VR hardware software uh, things like that uh, it's 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 amazing yeah it's amazing yeah. awesome it's fun. awesome I think it's one of those like it's it's a really privileged role to be in I think as well like you know it's it's a, yeah and it's rare too because yeah. there aren't that many people who are full-time uh vr content creators so yeah it's yeah. it's it's awesome to be able to to make people excited for vr on a weekly base yeah absolutely well congratulations again uh awesome milestone uh last but by no means least myself the host of the show micro and virtual reality oasis in today's episode we've got a packed show planned for you today we've got some new oculus quest games which were announced this week making the wait for this headset even more painful as we get all excited about these games coming rowdy is going to give you a science lesson on why frame rates are so important in vr a new segment of the show which is going to be super interesting zim's going to give you the lowdown on the latest releases to look forward to next week and i give you the details on another new headset coming to the market soon the acer oho concept d <laughs> <laughs> whoa yeah nice nailed it as if we didn't have enough headsets on the market already but here we go, and another one thrown into the mix. But first, of course, let's find out what everyone's been playing and their highlight of the week this week. Uh, feel free to join us in the chat, by the way. Let us know what you played. We can read some of those out. Um, but yeah, let's uh, go over to Zim first, uh, and let's hear about his uh, his stories in the wildlands with the birds. I'm super intrigued. Yeah, so I, I got a chance to play Falcon Age, which I've been um, kind of desperate to dive into since having uh, met the creative director, Eka, and... Um, you know, just the concept of the game, I was really smitten with. Um, it was like a, and this is all sounding very past tense because I've um, <clears throat> had my heart broken a little bit um, by Falcon Age, actually, uh, which which is probably hard to hear. It's actually tougher for me to to say it because it's one of those games where, like, when you get your you build up for it, I think it'll be for some people, uh, but it wasn't for me because um, the pacing of the story for me was just a bit hop like haphazard um so the timing of some of the introduction of their game design elements was at the wrong time or they didn't use them enough and then other things like digging up a landmine with your bird having to do that you know 20 times in succession on the way out then do it on the way back it felt a bit like do you remember when you, when you had pokemon you're like god damn it i just want to go back to the shop and now i'm gonna hit you know 20 different instances of battles and i really don't want to battle right now it's like and then they designed around that later in later instances um it, it feels like that it feels like um, there's certain aspects kind of like if someone spends a long time on a scene and then they kind of force you through it six times it felt a little bit like that it was a symptom of that and the game as a whole i'd have to say it's a bit like the pepsi challenge uh, in that it tastes a lot sweeter in kind of smaller increments doing the whole thing, which took me probably seven hours. I was going slow, um, but doing it all end to end, I really liked the Falcon. I don't think I got enough time with the Falcon or the accessories that I got for it. It was like a really quick fly through of the game uh, without too much time with the bird. And as I said, I took my time. I didn't like rush it. But the thing that really stood out to me, 
and I think they actually underutilized and didn't integrate in the game well enough was their their gardening system. Like me and and one of my kids had such a brilliant time just planting and harvesting fruit and making recipes to feed the bird. And I felt like that could have done a bit better. It could have been and, a game in itself. Yeah, it could it, it could be a game in itself. And it felt like really, really solid. And it wasn't something that I've seen in VR before done as well, like as colorful as modeled. And that's not to say mm. the game is, is is bad. I just dropped it from a, a must-buy rating down to a consider for, for the reasons of, you know, the, the story going along. But aside from that, um, you know, I love their art style. I love the world that they put you in. For me, the story just didn't feel right. Uh, but right was through. it that the the story went too slow, or was it that the story wasn't good enough to keep you entertained, or was it more the repetitive element of it? So, like, I wouldn't say the story was repetitive. It was more the game elements that some of which they kind of cranked the handle too many times on. Um, but I'd say that the story itself came in like spurts. So you have mm -hmm. like you know thirty things of text to read through. And, you know, I've, I tend to like story, but I still find myself wanting to be like, okay, are we done yeah, with yeah. this interaction? And then it would come at you again. But after, after what felt like a daisy moment of, I'm going to go through the arid desert walking with like little to do and little interactivity with the world that's so pretty around me. Um, and then all of a sudden I've got like story rammed down my throat again. And with a finale that if you see the final level design felt very much like like Quake 2 level design, very chunky, lots of blocks. So yeah. all in all, um, as much as I'd love to give two thumbs up to Falcon Age, I can only give it one thumb up. You know, it's it's still a brilliant design. I still want to see more from the team. So I hope they sell um, enough to either do an expansion or something else, because I think that's what it needs. I think it needs, you know, the same set of content again, yeah. you know, to, right. to allow you to spend more time with your bird. Yeah. Yeah. So like the bird mechanics, from what you're saying are solid yeah. but it's just kind of the story pacing is kind of a bit off yeah and it's such a as i said it's such a blow right in my balls because i i i love i love the guys who made it and and the way that it's made and there's so many things that are really positive it just feels you know like you put a lot of good elements into a soup and the soup just doesn't taste that great you know that's right. that's where i sit mm. with it right now yeah, yeah interesting interesting mm. and we appreciate your honesty about it um you know it's one of those things when you when you when you really like the developers of a game it's very difficult to be really critical <sighs> but it's kind of one of those things that comes with the territory of, of being like you know someone like us you know yeah. uh but it's important to be honest i but think it, and i the think they is, appreciate that like some so, some people are going to really like this game and it's going to be for them and it's going to be that i think this is probably for me in what i call the grim fandango territory I spent years pining for yeah. and wanting to play that game, played it, and I found it the most tedious thing. And I found myself counting the hours, like playing through it. And I was like, by the end, I was like, Manny, I hate you, man. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I, I don't want to play this game anymore. And so this for me, you know, it just sits in that territory. But I really, I, I would, I would absolutely go for whatever the, the dev team does next for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I'm going to try and play it this week. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, I get a chance. Yeah. Um, so uh, what about you then, Rowdy? What have you been up to this weekend? What do you want to share? Yeah, I actually I haven't made a video of it yet, but I actually dove back into into Pavlov because they recently did a huge update. Um, they, I think it's called the Alpha update, um, but it's 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 a huge update that unfortunately also broke a lot of the community maps. Um, oh. So they all need to be made compatible, I think, because a lot of the stuff that I used to be able to play, I wasn't able to play. Um, I tried to like dive into some uh, TTT, some trouble in a. Uh, terrorist town or trouble in mm. trader town uh, depending on uh, which genre that you're playing i guess um but I, I couldn't find that many maps that were working with the with the new update i did still play a little bit but they also made the battle royale mode 
uh, in Pavlov. And I've played oh. that actually now together with, with user ID and a couple of other people. Hmm. Um, and that was a lot of fun like really a lot of fun. They redesigned the weapons as well. You can also add attachments and that kind of stuff to it. So uh, really a lot of fun, uh, cool maps. Is that na is that native uh, Battle Royale? As in the publisher, they brought it out. This isn't like a mod or something like that. No, no, this is actually, uh, those are also community maps. But the game mode now allows it for uh, for being played in a, in a in a battle royale kind of style. Sweet. So mm. they actually have uh, they also added new uh, new uh, player maps as well. So there's a lot of stuff that has been going on in that game. And, and for me, Pavlov really thrives on those like community maps. Like they have mm. added so many kind of things. Uh, you can play Minecraft maps. You can play like the the old Counter Strike maps, the new Counter Strike maps. There's so much stuff in the that the community has made for that game. So I really hope mm. that they keep on pushing that kind of thing on there as well yeah nice also to your interest zim they have uh, left for dead maps too oh excellent mm -hmm. um for those who don't know i my wife and i clocked first and second ones on expert so uh there's only one map we ever didn't beat but i love left for dead no I, it's next on my radar actually rowdy so i might hit you up because i want to try it with the force tube i'm really keen to try pavlov yeah. with force tube, i have so. i haven't tried it with the force tube yet uh, because i'm a little bit like uh, because I don't know if they have like a calibration tool like they do in, in contractors so that you can like mm. calibrate the gun. And I don't want to like start messing up my calibration now because I know that I have all my setups for contractors that won't work anymore. So it's, I, I, I haven't really tested that out yet since I just don't want to try out the maps. Mm. But I do hope that they have some kind of calibration tool implemented so that I can, I don't have to change the force tube. Yeah, so like they they don't have um, a calibration tool in Pavlov, and when I when I was testing those games out with the Force Tube, what I'd do is I would um, set it all up in all the other games and then calibrate it in Contractors Last. So yeah. it kind of works in all the other games, yeah. and then you know you set it up last. But I don't know what the new update if they maybe added something sure, to it. Sure. I, I I just haven't tested it, so yeah. I don't I don't know. Also, Zim, the Force Tube does work with Pavlov, but you need to use their sort of like sound rumble yeah. in well like rumble the integration. integration. App. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, I know the app. Yeah, actually, I was so confused when I got it because I was like trying to install the app and get it configured. I was like, you don't need that for most of the base games that are supported. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, and I just, I just slipped up there. By the way, it's nothing to do with sound. It actually works from the rumble signal from your controllers, and it, it translates that into rumble with the oh. force tube. Oh, that's yeah. smart. That's smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So, what about you then, Nathy? Uh, what have you been up to uh, this week? Well, um, first of all, looping back to the chat, um, uh, Benjamin Priddle played uh, Red Matter and to the top. Red Matter uh, is uh, one that is, yeah, love that game. Top yeah. notch, exactly. So good. Um, to the top too, though. True. <laughs> yeah, that's well. also true. Yeah, that's different genres, different genres. You know, um, uh, Marchetto uh, played a poker VR. Yes, I hope you didn't lose too much virtual uh, monies. Um, sadly, Bradley played Final Assault. He said it's very addicting. If you like strategy games from from a god perspective, then that's something you. You got to try Factory Life uh, played Standout Beat Saber from Other Sons. That's a that's a lovely combination right there. Um, Buck played uh, Assetto Corsa on Zim's server apparently. Ooh, nice. Whoa, that's where that's where the parties happen. You know, that's where <laughs> where the well well ass parties happen. And then last but not least, GamerTag VR uh, picked up Pavlov for just seven pounds. I don't know how much it is in dollars. Does anyone know? Nice. Uh, so that, that, that would 10, equate to about nine, ten nine, bucks. About yeah. 10 bucks. Okay. Well, that's not bad at all. And uh, yeah, he he's also uh, eagerly uh, waiting for for his pro tube. 
Nice. Uh, it, it's got ProTube support. I mean, it has gunstock support, so you can use oh. a gunstock in Pavlov. So you have an option oh. for that. If Wait, you so so if I would buy uh, an empty gunstock and I would uh, tape my uh, Xbox controller on there, because uh, as you guys said, it works with your controller. So that that could do the trick with some flex. Tape. Yes, of course you can. You can always try that. Always try that, and then realize that. <laughs> You need to go and get new controllers. <laughs> okay. Well, that, okay, you know, uh, never mind. Um, I did play um, Kablasta today. The fuck is on that? The, on, the, <laughs> on the Nintendo uh, uh, Switch. Yes, with the, of course, the blaster. Kablasta. Let, let me show it again. It sounds like that Nickelodeon program, Kablam, or whatever. Well, no, I, I, it, it, well it's something like that. It is for kids in the end, and for, for kids at heart, but you got to use the, the, the blaster. And uh, it's a co-op game, so you got to play it with someone else. And most Nintendo Labo uh, VR games out there are for one person only, but this is one that you can play with someone else. And um, yeah, how am I going to explain this? Because it might sound a little weird. Um, There is a swimming pool with hippos in there, and uh, every player gets uh, some fruit that they have to shoot into the hippos their mouth and when you then uh, uh, hit them they will actually come to you because they're like hey uh, I get some food from you so let's be friends so every time uh, one player needs to do that and when they miss well they don't get any points but if they do feed the hippo they get a point and you constantly need to do this uh, um, uh, one one at a time and you have different kinds of fruit so you have a banana you have a a pineapple a melon and every every fruit has its own uh, ability so a banana is a is a boomerang um the a melon uh, creates this big explosion in the water so you can draw the hippos towards you and there are a lot of physics involved too but we had so much fun we played this for like i don't know an hour and we were just laughing our asses off trying to win and there, there is so much to it because at the start you're playing it and you're like, oh, I just got to shoot a bit, right? But then you're like, well, wait, you can do this too. And whoa, 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 whoa I, I just saw that. Did you, did you see that? So you're discovering this thing together and it was super social. I haven't had, had so much fun in, in a long time in a, in a co-op VR experience. And huh. it took me like five minutes to hook up because you slide your switch in there, you put your Joy-Cons in the blaster and bam, you're ready to go. And that's... That's also VR, you know? I, lo- I love this... how, like, uh, your, your serious face when you were, like, talking about it and how you were, like, seriously talking about what you had to do. And the banana, of course, is, is a boomerang. <laughs> course, yeah, so, I mean. <laughs> but this this was just great. I, I nice, think the nice. Nintendo Labo VR kit deserves way more love. I, I feel like it, it has, a, has a slow start at the moment, but... Uh, seriously, if you have a bunch of kids or uh, you're an adult with a Switch, uh, Go check it out. Seriously, it's uh, it's amazing. It's so so cool how you can build this yourself. You can make your own games too. It's it's everything together. It's, yeah, it's cool. I, I totally agree about the Nintendo Labo. You know, it's got so much content and value for money for what you pay. And um, and funnily enough, like my experience of the week that I wanted to share is a Nintendo Labo VR kit as well because wow. you know I've been spending a lot of time this week 
using the whole range of Labo kits after just last week testing the Blaster quickly. Um, and I ended up building them all, trying out all the different associated games and experiences. And the one I wanted to talk about was uh, the Elephant, actually, uh, because it was one of the kits out of the whole range that I was least interested in. I was like, yeah, the Elephant, yeah, it looks kind of weird. Um, but it actually turned out to be my favorite kit out of all of them. So I thought it was worth talking about. Um, and the Elephant has got something really special about it that the other kits don't have. And that's that um, it's actually got six degrees of freedom movement uh, in the trunk. And this is super clever engineering oh. on Nintendo's behalf because the Joy-Cons actually have like internal chipsets that can work out how far they are from each other. And by using that and the rotation data, they can basically turn the end of the trunk into a six degrees of freedom controller, which is super smart. And Basically, with the elephant, you get two experiences. You get one called Doodle, which is basically paint in VR, a bit like Tilt Brush, where you can paint and then uh, manipulate the uh, the sculptures or painting, whatever you make. Uh, but the one that really sort of grabbed me was uh, a game called Marble Run. And basically, it's a, it's a, a physics-based marble puzzle game uh, where you've got like a marble that drops and then you've got a goal that you need to get it to and you can manipulate different like objects and bits and pieces to create the path so it sort of drops back into the goal or a series of goals and uh, they've got like a hundred of these little puzzles to solve Jeez. and a level editor that you can actually create your own puzzles as well so there's just like so much content Jesus. but out out of all the Nintendo Labo experiences, it was the one that I spent the most time in. And I was just like completely sucked into solving these little puzzles. Like I love puzzles in VR anyway. Um, and I was kind of like thinking like, I'd love a game like this on PC. And uh, thanks to Eric Hartley, a uh, friend of the show, he said that there is a game out there that is actually very similar on PC called Gravity Lab. I'd never really heard of yep. this game before. Yep. Uh, and when you look at Gravity Lab, you can you think, Nintendo basically ripped this game off. Like it was the one that started this whole genre and Nintendo saw this and sort of took their sort of design inspiration and created mm -hmm. their own version of it for the Labo. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. So if you're interested in getting Labo kits, you know, either get the complete kit or, you know, maybe get some of the kits that interest you the most. Um, but definitely I would say, yeah. I would agree with Nathie in that, you know, there's a lot of content on these, these yeah. Labo kits that are well worth checking it's out. It's funny if you look at the elephant, I'm, I'm showing it right now, there are like these white dots on on its face and those are the the tracking points but first you think like oh these are just some cute eyes and it's a part of the but it does more than that so they mm. blended it in so so nicely yeah yeah it's super smart it's such a smart system i can't sort of like uh rate it highly enough really uh but again like you know vr uh you know enthusiasts aren't going to be interested in this product no, and that's I, absolutely fine I, I did feel a lot of uh backfire at, at some parts within the vr bubble of like yeah but this is cardboard and this is not selling vr it's giving people a bad experience uh, this is this is uh one of the best uh vr experiences i ever tried and it's also one of the best headsets i have ever tried so well there you go. Uh, and I'm super interested uh, to see uh, the updates for Mario Odyssey and uh, Zelda yes. when they drop on the 26th because they're getting free VR updates yeah. uh, that utilize the goggles. So I'm super intrigued how that's going to work. But yeah, you know, I think uh, Nintendo Labo VR is legit. It's one of those mm -hmm. things that you really need to try, but it's ideal for kids yeah. and, and, and enticing newcomers into yes. virtual reality. And, and it shows that you do not need uh, a crazy high resolution, a big field of view or positional tracking to make the VR magic happens, so. 
Agreed. Agreed. I'm curious with the contact hours you've had on a mic, have you had any symptoms related to the street off of feeling something odd in your stomach? Oh, using the labo? Using the labo. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Um, like, you know, like to be, to be fair, you know, there are some, so there's a lot of motion blur when you turn yeah. your head and the resolution is pretty meh, but like, yeah. like Nathie said, it, it's about the game experience and having fun with that, you know? Yes. Uh, yes. And there's uh, lots, lots of offer What there. Nintendo did with all these Labo VR kits is they introduced uh, haptics. So with every VR headset you play, you create your own effects and these effects make sure you don't get sick. So you feel wind or you feel the, the feedback of shooting something and that 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 adds adds to the immersion and it also tells your brain like, hey, listen, it's okay, it works, it makes sense. And uh so so that's that's a big part of, of this this illusion they are they are using. I feel like and of course seated is is one of those main things that works straight away. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think those anchors are really important and playing with them in a in a kind of an R and D shop like a lot of the last four or five years has been those tests but we're still seeing some the kind of interesting technologies come out in that space and it always makes me kind of grin when I see a new one and it's like oh no one thought about that one before and now they've implemented this and yeah. it's that coalescence that like Paul Rolucky originally said like our controller system will eventually merge into you know, the perfect controller in the same way that, you know, game pads have kind of come to the same shape. Um, but we're definitely still doing that when it comes to VR comfort options, because from yeah. title to title, some, one has 80 options, one has two, you know, it's like there's so many different things out there. So to wrap this up, uh, I, I just see that Nimzo is in the chat. He has been one of our guests in the show too. Uh, sadly, his uh, uh, Mario VR experience, the one that you can play in first person, had to be taken uh, down because well, Nintendo was kindly asking him to do that. So, um, yeah, you can't play it anymore. But there are still videos on the internet, of course, and he made some videos too on his channel. So if you still want to relive what he made, then uh, check it out. It's it's Mario in first person in VR with this with this genius way of, of locomotion. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a real shame. And I know that um, Node... Uh, recently played it, maybe because they played yeah. it, got a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah, that Nintendo all of a sudden Thanks, like, hang Node. on a minute. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a real shame to hear that though, Nimzo. Um, yes, yeah. It's just kind of one well, of those things you you know the risk you take when you when you sort of work with an IP like that. Interested to know if Sega approached you for the same <laughs> reasons with the Sonic one. Let, maybe let us know in the chat. Yeah. Um, but let's that move one into is, some... That one's actually my favorite. I like that yeah. one even better. Yeah. And yeah, Sega, if you're too. listening, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's move into some quick news then. And uh, let's talk about some news from Sony this week. Uh, because Sony uh, invited Wired uh, to, their, to their sort of headquarters. And they were talking about the next generation PlayStation, which is super interesting. Mm. And I don't think it's a huge surprise that Sony are working on the next generation console. Uh, but there were quite a few interesting details about the console that were kind of dropped in this article. Uh, firstly, is that the new console won't be coming in 2019, more likely coming in 2020. Um, interestingly, though, uh, game developers already have their hands on these kits. So they're already creating games for the new system, which is awesome. Jesus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Apart from the obvious upgrades in like sort of GPU, CPU, 
you know, the new console will be able to handle ray tracing lighting technology. Uh, it's also going to have like a, a special SSD hard drive. So loading times are going to be practically non-existent, which is kind of cool because as we know, loading times in VR just suck. It's kind of one of those real immersion breaking experiences. There's nothing worse than waiting like 10 to 15 seconds for a loading screen in VR. <laughs> it's way more painful than on a normal sort of uh, pancake game, put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but when uh, Wired asked uh, Mark Cerny, who's the lead system architect over at Sony, uh, if there will be a next generation PSVR alongside the new console, uh, he replied, I won't go into details of our VR strategy today beyond saying that VR is very important to us and that the current PSVR headset is compatible with the new console. And that's really interesting. So the original PSVR will be compatible with the next generation mm. PlayStation and, and clearly will be supported for, for years to come in the future. So uh, okay. what do you guys think of this? This is like super awesome news, I think. Nice. Exactly. That's it. I mean, like what, what an underscore, right? I mean, to, to know that now does an amazing thing because if you've got the pocket change for it, like we've kind of recommended in several st states, right? If you've already got PC VR and you're kind of happy and maybe, you know, you got money in your hole burning out burning a hole in your pocket, um, then why not go for the PSVR? And it'll have some good resale value because of the forward compatibility. So even if you went for it today and you played some stuff and then yeah. you bought new headsets when they land out, you can probably resell that thing at Christmas or Q1 next year and still yeah. get most of its value back. Like it's like yeah. a, it's, it's like getting a massive freebie dropped in, dropped in on the news channel. So absolutely great news great news i don't need any i didn't need to know about the new headset keep that secret that's fine but this like who says who does this who who tells you that it's got forward compatibility that was not a mistake that wasn't like wired you know bending that out of them they had a plan to release that information and i think that's really right. a great strategic move for by sony yes i it shows that they uh, that they know what they have in their hands and how how much value it it, it has it's mm. uh, like extending the life of this VR headset. It, it's it's something that that you got to do when in the state the VR industry is in right now. Like even selling a new headset is going to be a nice nice add-on. But even if they they wouldn't for a well, it's still still a solid solid headset to buy the the first one. You know the P, the, the PSVR. So yeah. And I think in my mind, you know, it's likely that they will bring out a second generation PSVR, you know, with, with better tracking, better yeah. controllers. But it's just that they're saying, you know, if you want to play seated VR experiences or, you know, the older experiences, you can still use the original headset. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And I think exactly what Zim said, you know, if you've been on the fence about getting one and sort mm -hmm. of thinking, oh, maybe I should wait for the next generation. Yeah. This is like yeah. the, the sort of news you've it's... been waiting for, really, to yeah. sort of pull and the trigger. Also... Also, I think it's reiterating a little bit what, what we've been saying is that maybe in terms of like technology and in terms of like advanced VR, this is maybe the least popular headset. But if you look at how many they've sold, you know, 4 million and, and counting still, uh, that, that, that's like an insane amount of headsets that they're selling. And they're actually doing what we've been saying so much, so often as well. They're focusing on content and they know that they might not have the most advanced virtual reality device in their hands, but at the same time, they're delivering content that everyone just wants to play. So mm -hmm. if you want to play that kind of content, you need to get that PlayStation VR. Mm -hmm. So they, they're not focusing that much on like making that new generation, but they want to use the technology that they have right now and optimize that for every virtual reality game. And the perfect example for that was static to me still. Yeah. Like they, they yeah. managed to take a game which 
the more the 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 you, you need to use the controller you know very basic kind of movement system but they implemented that so smart into that game using that technology up its up to its its limit mm -hmm. just to get a great gaming experience and i really yeah. want to see oculus and hc vive doing that more as well mm -hmm. really take advantage of every little thing because we said it before as well we still don't have even though the oculus controllers can do it the finger movements but the yeah. games that can actually use that we can count mm -hmm. them basically on like two yeah. hands which is not that impressive yeah, no, no i agree i agree like they the all the other all, all the other headsets and their controllers have never been used to their true potential and 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 sony has really uh shown to like put yeah. every every like everything into it to get the best out of their their hardware yeah and uh i've i've been saying this so many times like first contact for example for oculus and the lab for for the vive yeah. was was the blueprint of like listen this is what you can do with it but no one well almost no one took the advantage and used that uh and uh well, hopefully that is going to change in the near future. But yeah, uh, uh, PlayStation VR is, is constantly innovating still. I mean, how long is it ago that Astrobot came out? I don't know. It's not that long ago. And they, no. they showed again, like, oh, this is something new. And now it goes giant as well, where you're like, whoa, there is even more I can do with this. And now yeah. being straightforward to your community and be like, listen, if you want to get this PlayStation 5, everyone knows it's coming. Um, you can play with your VR headset on it. And they give a reason to to move on for all these users like if they wouldn't do that they would lose a big chunk of their community straight away so making this compatible with the new console super smart move uh, strategy wise right like also the timing because obviously you can see a threat coming into that territory you got your base of four million headsets sold right in terms of psvr yeah. and and you've got this you've got this little storm front coming which is kind of 1.5 and 2.0 headsets coming out and they're basically saying you're okay to stay with Sony, you know what I mean? Like, and and, that's, and, but like, take it, take a flash gun and shoot it off, and go look where we are, lads. Right? We've got Sony supporting, we've got Nintendo supporting. Of course, Microsoft are still kind of tittering around on the side, but like, that's that's beautiful for gamers to have that kind of support VR wise. I mean, mm -hmm. like, you can feel like the gates starting to like bulge and press, and the crowds yeah. are coming. Like, it's great. It's really good. Yeah, no, I, I I am so happy that that Sony has been carrying the VR industry for a while now with all their their content, and uh, hopefully uh, later down the road, Nintendo, uh, uh, Facebook. Um, Valve and all those other parties can work together and really, you know, uh, make make the magic happen together. Because yeah. it's not, let's say, in the long run, it's not good to have Sony to be having to carry the industry. Because it sounds kind of badass because they sold so many headsets, but it's also this this worrying thing that they had to drag everyone with them for the last few years. Mm -hmm. If you look at E3, if you look at Gamescom, if you look at PAX, PlayStation is always there to to save us all, to preach VR, mm. to to a, a, a standard that no one else can really get close to. I do think though the 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 levels will change a little bit with the release of yep. the Quest. Yeah. You know, I yes. think I, I think, yeah. I think yeah, Oculus true. will catch up with them. Um, and and talking about the Quest, you know, we had uh, the Quest Countdown blog this week uh, announcing some new games that are coming to the Quest uh, when it launches. Again, these aren't necessarily new games, but they're oh. games that we know and love that are definitely welcome on the system. Yes. So we've got Tilt Brush, which is is great for sort of budding artists out there creating sculptures and and artwork in a three space is truly magical so that's going to be really cool we've got thumper which is like a classic you know 
uh, what do they call it? Rhythm Violent game, you know, which is uh, a lot of fun. You've got Fruit Ninja again, which is a classic. Bait, which, uh, you know, Rowdy's uh, dad is a huge fan of. And, oh, uh, he's he's going to love fan that of as well. one. I'm, I'm not going to see that headset for weeks, probably. <laughs> Uh, you've got Rush and you've also got Angry Birds. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree. I think that the Quest will have a big impact on the VR market. But then Oculus does need to have a good marketing strategy. Because if they if they are going to sell this, this headset like they did with the Go and the Rift, it's not going to take off. But if they if they try new things and they they really um you know um have their marketing, yeah, as I said, on point everywhere in the world, not only America, also Europe and other parts of the world, then yes, it's going to have uh, like, it's going to have a big impact and a lot of people are going to buy it. But if the but, marketing I mean, part doesn't, doesn't add up, then it has less chance to succeed. That's I the truth. I don't know about that because I think yeah. there's such a hype bubble around this headset right Huge. now that I think well, it, it, the, in the, the VR bubble it is because we're all uh, in this VR industry. Outside of that, if I'm asking around like, hey, do you know what a Quest is or do you know what an Oculus Rift no. is? People don't know. In the VR no, bubble, but, it's but that, a hype. That's but kind outside of, that's of kind that, of typical. But that's also you. You also start off, for example, with Beat Saber because I know a lot of people that, that played Beat Saber, but they had no idea that it was called Beat Saber. Like I've I've had like four or five mm. people that came up to me and said, "Oh, you know, I play virtual reality." There was this game with these like you know I had like lightsabers and blocks and it was like music everywhere. I said, "Yeah, yeah, don't worry, I know which one you mean. Come <laughs> come come to my place, we'll play it again." But I, I think that's kind of like similar with 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 the quest that is going to happen. Like a lot of people are going to try virtual reality, have their first virtual reality experience on these devices because they are so mobile, because they are six off, because they are you know so easy just to put on and play with. Yes. So I do think that a lot of people are going to have this a little bit as the standard for trying virtual reality. But it's I, roaming. I think so. And it's a compelling experience. And that's and they gonna, have the price on their side, huh? And the price is on their side, but like it's going to go to it's going to go from house to house. You know what I mean? This is yeah, the console. Yeah. Like the Go doesn't quite make it over the edge of, do I want to show this to my grandmother? Mm. Do I want to show this mm. to my yeah. cousin? You know, it, it's kind of a little bit more of a personal device. Whereas Quest, I see as some the first headset that really pushes past that threshold is very shareable. And yeah. actually, there's one I think on the list, Mike, that I didn't hear you hear, or so I didn't hear you say, but um, I think is another really cool one, and it's cross buy across Go and Quest, which was announced recently, which is virtual desktop. Yeah, so mm -hmm. the cool again, going back to the mobile part, Guy Godin, who made this app some years ago, um, it keeps refining it, keeps making it better. And the thing is, yeah. to be able to have like a, a library of of videos at home or a game at home that you want to play and then you go to a friend's house and over wi-fi you're connecting remotely to back to your desktop and then be yeah. able to show that stuff off it's like it's got so many applications like me as a, as a server admin we were talking about you know a set of servers and things like that being able to remotely connect and just check on a box and see if it's if everything's like looking okay is great and you can't do that with anything else you really it's not easy to do it without like going i'm going to open up my pc to the internet and you know allow a remote desktop or uh go through a nas or something like that so mm -hmm. quest is just so it's like it's like it's like the swiss army knife of vr i feel it's got so many different yeah. facets yeah. and niches that it's going to perform well no, in. i i i i'm totally I'm, i totally agree on that it's just that i, I most people outside of 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 the 
of this VR bubble we I are think in, right. I think you're right. Are not aware of the Quest, don't know what it is, have never heard of standalone. They see every, yeah. if they do know what a headset is, they don't even know the difference between all these headsets. Yeah. Like that's what I've been saying before. This is something I said at PAX too. Oculus was constantly at PAX trying to educate people what is a standalone headset? Yeah. What is a PC headset? They were doing giveaways to learn people what the difference was and getting them excited for that. So again, marketing is a big, big part of this. And we can say whatever we want about this headset, like, yeah, it was so fun. And you know, the Quest is an amazing, amazing HMD. But if if they are not able to spread that message to this, this consumer base, that has never been interested in VR in the first place. Yeah. That's what you need. Uh, and I, then it's also important to have these demo stations. I have never seen a demo station yeah. in my life here in Europe. And we already heard that Best Buy is going to prepare them. Hopefully we are also going to have some in Holland. Hopefully we're going to have some in the UK, in Belgium, in Spain, and well, everywhere, you know, everywhere around the world that needs to happen, mm. needs to happen. But I think as well, like as important as that is, I think the 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 reason why this headset will ultimately ultimately succeed is through word of mouth and people saying that this is a great experience and being able to yeah. take it and actually showing their friends without having to invite them over to your place or something like that. And one additional point here, Mike, because I was just rolling the tilt brush video, and obviously is one of the announced um, uh, pieces of software that's going to be launching for Quest. Um, tilt brush is was amazing when it dropped uh, originally, like on Vive. And you saw creatives springing up who otherwise, you know, they weren't gamers, you could tell. Weren't gamers, uh, they were creating something that was like incredible and then sharing it on their timelines and tweeting it out and all that. And I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong here, but you guys can tell me. I've felt that dip a little bit. Like I haven't seen as much retweeted, posted on Reddit, like here's an amazing scene or whatever. And I'm really looking forward to the creatives kind of coming alive again, because again, you know, you don't have that capability on Go as as your kind of grab and go headset, but on Quest you do. Mm-hmm. And whatever file that is, getting uploaded to a laptop or whatever, I think it it really it's like it's like the River Delta. It just opens up this to so many people who mm-hmm. can't afford a PC to run a headset like a Vive or something like that. I mean, if you're an artist, you're there's that old you know adage of starving artist, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm expecting to see a, a a bloody hell ton of more artwork drop, and I hope we do because I love their stuff when they create it. Yeah. yeah, agreed. And just to quickly round up us talking about the quest, you know, there's been a lot of posts on Reddit and Twitter this week about like release dates and stuff. You know, I know that game accidentally sort of opened up pre-orders for it and they said it was launching at the end of May. And then I saw someone else accidentally opening up pre-orders that said December. You know, like I just want to just reiterate, you know, we don't know any more than you do in terms of release dates, but we've been saying this like from the beginning, you know, it's likely that this headset is going to release during Facebook F8, which takes place between the 30th of April and the 1st of May. And we're like yeah, two, right. two weeks away from that now. So yeah, it's, it's, it's quite obvious. Although it, se- uh, it seems like the right moment. Yeah. I think you'll get a date then whether or not it's going to be purchasable that weekend is a yeah. question, right? So we'll see. Yeah. The Zuck is, is holding this headset in his hands. It's like, it's now available. Go buy it. That's that's and everyone gonna rushes happen. out of the hallway and it's like an empty hallway. Every everything the man holds sells to a certain point, so makes sense. But that's where I'm jealous of people that are in the US because this is what happened with the Go. Yep. He said that it was oh, for sale yeah. now. People yeah. could go out and go and pick one up at Best Buy. Two four us, days. For us suckers in the US and the UK, we had to patiently wait by the letterbox for the mailman yeah. to deliver our <laughs> parcel that we ordered through Oculus 
directly. Did you call us Zuckers? Is that what we are now? We're Zuckers. I get Zuckers. it. We're Zuckers. <laughs> Zucking Zuckers. on the... Hopefully, gonna... hopefully the, the VR audience grows in Europe too. And before yeah. you know it, they have to announce headsets in, in a different uh, part of the, uh, on the planet. Who knows? So let's jump from one hype train to another one. Oh, God. Straight on to uh, the index. Uh-oh. Because uh, we got a bit of news about the index, like the valve knuckles this week. Uh, we didn't get any more information about the headset itself yet, which, you know, I'm still super intrigued about. I'm really excited about this headset, but I'm desperate to know what that cut out in the center of the headset is for. Like, <laughs> it, it's like it's like watching a lost episode, uh, you know, on a cliffhanger, and then you're just desperate to find out what happens next. You're trying to work it out in your mind, but you can't. You know, it's always way too clever, you know, for you to figure it out. So I'm just desperate to wait. But, um, you know, we're going to know more details on the 1st of May, which obviously coincides with everything that's happening with Oculus as well, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we hear more details about the Valve Index this week uh, coming because, you know, there's been some rumors that, you know, VR press are being, you know, sent to some sort of secret event. Uh, it could be something completely else, but it could be something hosted by Valve. There's also some rumors from the Valve uh, news network that, that Valve have got like um, some press builds uh, being put up on SteamDB. Uh, for Valve Index stuff. So it could be that there's a press event, so there could be some news dropping. So, you know, keep pressing F5 for the information and maybe next <laughs> week we'll get it. But, but but wait, wait, this is the same company that has been leaking Half-Life 3 kind oh, yeah, of like yeah, yeah. things like everywhere for like the past, like how many years? So, of course, I mean, how, but how much can we take from these rumors? I, I think the fact that I saw some VR news outlets saying that they were going to go to an event somewhere that was super top secret mm. got me a little bit triggered. But again, you know... <laughs> Again, take everything with that with a pinch of salt. But mm. well, anyway, wouldn't it be strange to not have the press write about your 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 product up front and then kind of prepare yeah. some some good articles that are really informing people what they are going to get into? I, I think it makes sense. Exactly. It makes total sense. Exactly. It's just you um, can't say like, "Hey guys, we're going to the Valve office and we're no. gonna test some stuff and uh, we're gonna write about it now." No, it's gonna come out the moment when they drop the news. So yeah, yeah. they kind of need to sync up now. Exactly. Strong so, NDA is confirmed. What we did know, or what we do know, is that Valve pushed an update to the Knuckles controllers software. Uh, they posted mm-hmm. it on Steam. Uh, interestingly, they still refer to these controllers as Knuckles controllers and not index controllers. Mm. So it could be that the headset is called the index, but the knuckles are still called the knuckles. But anyway, that'd be funny. Who knows? Um, But the update log states, uh, it's all about finger tracking this update. Uh, This update adds logic for detecting and adapting to a wider range of hand sizes and finger placements based on finger activity over time. This feature only applies to DV controllers or newer and having seen some uh, videos around the new update, I know sadly, but Bradley, who's in the chat, did a nice video showing sort of like the the brand new tracking of these fingers. Uh, it looks super nice, uh, and it's got me even more excited for this headset and controller yeah, combo. Indeed. So uh, I don't know what you Especially guys think. Especially because, of this. like, with like slower movements, that it still like you know shows that that's really impressive. I think and hand size yeah. alterations that they mentioned in the yeah. patch notes, I think, is a very important thing for for a lot of people with smaller hands you know i mean like i think this has been coming out of testing i knew mike you'd wave at that one um i don't know it's uh knuckles i just i the the one thing is like i just i just want to touch them i want to i want to put my hands in them please can i just try them i think the thing that impressed me the most that i never really sort of 
noticed before maybe was you know we know that the oculus touch has like capacitive touch sensors so you don't necessarily have to press the thumbstick but your thumb will be represented near it in vr the same as your real Mm -hmm. thumb is and it's the same with these uh, valve knuckles in that you can be slowly bending your finger not even touching the controller but it senses that movement and represents it in game which is just super satisfying to watch so if you haven't checked out the video go and check out sadly but bradley's video showing these sort of finger movements and you can check out how fluid it looks looks very impressive indeed Uh, but of course if we get any news next week we'll be talking about it on next week's show um so let's round up the quick news this week with super hot some really cool news from the super hot team and that is that super hot vr has sold over eight hundred thousand copies across all the vr platforms um, it's available on Oculus, the Windows Store, Steam VR, and PSVR. And the VR version of the game has generated more revenue than the original version of the game, the like the <laughs> traditional pancake version of the game, which is Bam. incredible. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just awesome because this is one of those games that was actually made before like VR was a thing. Yep. But it's if, oh, if yeah. you look at this game, you're like, yeah, this makes perfect sense for virtual reality, right? Yeah. It yeah. makes perfect sense for virtual reality. Oh. Man, that brings so, me back to the to the good old days. I tried super hot when Oculus just announced the DK2, and I had to play this with a gamepad, and they had this positional tracking going on, and that's wow. what they were showing. So I had to uh, shoot with my gamepad and and use my head to evade the the, the bullets. Man, yeah. good old times. That's that's really it's really super cool, right? Super cool, super it's hot, super hot. hot. Yeah, but it's still it's still one of my favorite games in VR. You know. Graphically, it doesn't look anything amazing, but I think that's the the coolest thing about it. It's just the way it makes you feel like a total badass. Yes. And for those getting the quest, you know, this is a a day one release. You know, in my opinion, it's a must buy title if you're going to get a quest. So if you haven't if you haven't played it already, then I would exactly. agree with you because it, yeah. it, it's another one of those like I, I slotted in with Beat Saber. It is a high performing lo fi game that's going to make you feel like a badass. And why don't you want to feel like a badass? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's 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 the closest thing other than maybe Seriento VR that makes you feel like Max Payne, you know. And yeah, for anyone who exactly. has played Max Payne, like I, I have definitely wanted, and someone out there is going to do it, wanted to like leap and gun at the same time. That's probably mm. not a good idea unless you're in around yes. a foam pit. Uh, but there are foam pits in the world, so go out there and do that. And uh, Superhot also has these these uh, extra game modes, so it has a lot of replay value too. I think it has a some kind of survival mode mm-hmm. and some other ones mm-hmm. that you can unlock when you play the single player. So after you finish the single player, you can just go back to to levels and and spice them up. So they they I think they recently added that or recently that's almost a year ago now. But um, yeah, it, it it has a lot of game modes too. So it's not something yeah. you play once; it's something you can play again if you feel like it and uh talking about sarento i'm not sure maybe this is a rumor but as far as i know uh they were planning to bring sarento to quest as well oh brilliant interesting because that's also one of those games that you need like full freedom to be playing it like legit yeah yeah the devs went to um to the office of of facebook and they were showing off the uh, oculus quest there like it's a long time ago and they were they were so impressed that they were like we gotta part this over because you know the quest is going to to uh, bring us closer to the tipping point of vr going mainstream basically and that's the thing like if they've sold eight hundred thousand copies already you know it, it could be with the with the quest they achieve that one million sales in vr and i I hope they do it because 
I want a sequel to this game. I said to, you know, uh, <laughs> Dev, Dev Callum, you know, Callum Underwood recently via Twitter, you know, like what I want to know is when are you going to make another one? And he was like, well, you know, maybe sometime. Yes. Um, but yeah, call oh. it super cold or something like that. I'd be down with that, oh, yeah. you know. God, oh, yeah. and, 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 and make some merch too. I want super hot merch. Oh, I want super hot merch as well. He was wearing Dude, a hoodie We all one. want super hot merch. Yeah. We've said this before on the episodes. <laughs> Sponsor the podcast, and then we can all like be sitting here with our branded super hot merch. Just yeah. given we're all kind of fans of the game, could we just do a, con- a congealed, uh, super hot, all coordinated together? I'll go three, two, one, and we super hot. Three, three, two, one. Super, super hot. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that is super hot coming to the quest, and uh, they sold eight hundred thousand copies. So congrats to the team. Uh, let's move it over to Zim then for uh, this week's uh, game releases. The games that we should and maybe shouldn't be playing in VR. Super, super, super excited to hear. Yeah, I love this part. This is my uh, one of my favorite parts is just kind of sharing this stuff with people. So I'm going to start off with uh, a game that, let's say, unlike Falcon Age, uh, I managed to bump into devs uh, at PAX and learn about, uh, which is called Don't Look Down. Uh, so if you want to think about other games that are kind of similar to this, I would say The Climb and climby, maybe even to the top. Uh, it's another one of these games that's actually quite physically involved. Um, you're moving your arms quite a bit. You're standing in one spot. You're not running around your room and the tutorial cautions you not to do that. Uh, but this is this is one where, and I think they're really doing themselves a disservice with the trailer for those watching the video. I think both of the trailers that they've launched for this game, they need to talk to us and figure out how to actually record a proper trailer because it does not do the game justice. Some of the flybys are cool, but um, the fact that you've got like four different areas with, let's say, I think it's like nine or 10 different levels per, um, and you have to try to kind of like go as fast as you can, get the best time, grab a flag at the end. Um, it's, as I said, it's, it's really an involved thing. You've got spiky robots kind of coming at your face. You've got bees to watch out for. Uh, you get a jetpack shield that you can use, uh, a, a saving grace in case you do fall. Um, but some of the heights feel pretty damn cool in it. And this is one of those games where like you you hope that the indie game is going to make you feel good and it really makes you feel good. And I got a bit of exercise uh, play on this. I was playing that a little bit earlier today. So that's by mm-hmm. Catapult Games. Um, nice. It's launched, it's launched uh, on the 18th of April, so just a couple days ago. Mm. And price is uh, £15.59. That's uh, about $20. Actually, if I was the devs, I would have knocked that down to the kind of... Um, probably 12 pounds and 16 dollars but other than that um i would say that the game is brilliant really had loads of fun and it's rare when i play a game that i'm not like satiated and i I definitely want to come back like that's one that i'm going to play tonight now because i just want to hit the next run of levels it's kind of like when you sit down with astrobot and you play like the first world and you're like i I need to see what the next world is going to bring so Big thumbs up to those guys. Yeah, I, uh, I actually played this one a very long time ago because I like I now see the video. I'm like, oh wait, yeah, yeah, I, I played that. Um, I I think there is a free demo available on itch.io Itch. that you can try before you buy. Oh. I'm not sure if they still have it up there because I thought that demo was almost the felt like the entire game for me because you could play like i don't know three four five levels only a caution though i did notice so some of the people who joined and were watching me earlier um said that the the, the kind of grip tracking and all that like they've refined that so much that it used to be like really frustrating yeah. and that yeah it feels so freeing um i actually really mm-hmm. like the pacing for when you're falling and stuff so what you can do is you can like launch yourself into the air and it gives you enough forward momentum not like a huge amount but like enough that it's fair for you as a player 
And it's not too punishing in the, I've got to grab something while I'm falling. It gives you a little bit, just a little bit of play so that you can like grab ropes before you, you crush to mm -hmm. your death. And I like that. And you're not always hanging up. You can stand on the ground. You can't walk. I couldn't use the thumbsticks for any reason, uh, but you could just grab your arms and fling around. So anyway, it's, it's definitely one to check out. Uh, it doesn't look very pretty, but actually they don't need it. Game the, the game is really solid. And that's one that if they haven't thought about development for Quest yet, I'm sure they have. That needs to be on Quest. I want to play that game on Quest for sure. So anyway, that one I'm excited about. So that was Don't Look Down. Great name as well. Um, the other thing I'm going to say here, so uh, the next game, uh, I think, I'm not sure, Nathie, if you got a chance to play this one. Jupiter and Mars for PSVR. Ooh. Jupiter and Ooh. Mars. So this one is probably its closest cousin is perhaps Echo the Dolphin um, or Abzu or, mm. you know, more so than, than you know, that Charles Dickens book. But they call this like a tale of two dolphins. Um, mm. and, and so that's where obviously the names come from. And I'll just read their little blurb out because I, I found this quite interesting. A tribe of whales known as the Elders have enlisted Jupiter and Mars to help undo mankind's legacy plaguing the oceans. Uh, from the producer of Luminase Electronic Symphony, surfacing on PS4 and PSVR in spring 2019. So that's the 22nd of April uh, that this thing is landing. So not long mm. left now uh, before this is available. It's $25, so a little bit up the price ladder. This is a PSVR exclusive for the, for the moment. Um, and it's a very interesting uh, graphically and sonically. If you watch the trailer and listen to the music back, Probably the audiophile in me wants to play this even more so than the visuals aside. Mm. I don't yet have a flavor for what the dolphins are doing, how they work with each other in contrast. I haven't seen kind of enough footage yet to get the gist of what's the core gameplay going to be oh. like. But there's enough here for me to be definitely interested. The now I want to know where they took looks it. Very interesting. Hmm. Kind of, kind of like yeah. Tron meets Echo the Dolphin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you guys remembered that um, that uh, synth wave you could create on, on on Windows back in the days where you were playing a song and you went into this trippy <laughs> trippy tunnel and it was like uh, moving with the, the music. That's that's kind of what this is like, <laughs> right? <laughs> but less trippy though. Um, I did I did see people play it at at PAX, um, but I haven't I been able to try it myself yet. But this is one of those uh, yeah. titles that you know, brings you into the, into the rhythm of, of music. It's like an artistic uh, uh, game. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to say there, because I, like, I wouldn't have considered it if it was just me, but my wife is like quite terrified of like the depths, like um, in Subnautica and stuff like that. She will what? not. Okay. It's Subnautica. I, I mean, no, 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 okay. that's but like... <laughs> before you know that there's horrible creatures there that are going to try and eat you, um, <laughs> even being underwater in a, in a game without any uh problems under sea she had that so i just wonder if this game does anything to address that because i know there's other people out there who don't like the depths like it's one of their fears or whatever like clowns yeah, yeah, and stuff like are you the same right I, I, well, I mean it's not that i'm like you know scared or i get like panic attacks but it's like even like being on the ocean i'm always a bit like eh, i hope nothing goes wrong here <laughs> i don't want to be swimming here like you know like just the the idea of that there's like you know, millions of, 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 of metric cubic tons of water underneath you and above <laughs> you. Or like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like such a, a scary thought, like, you know, ah. nah, after, after playing this shark cage demo on PlayStation <laughs> VR, I never, I never want to, I never want to see a shark again in VR. And uh, back in the days with my DK one, 
I, I got eaten by so many sharks too, because, you know, then development rules weren't that strict yet. So they were just always eating you for some reason. Yeah. And that's even scarier than <laughs> just getting attacked, getting eaten by a shark in VR. It's yeah. not, it's not great. Plus I'm not delicious. Just saying. I'm not delicious. It's, I, I Sylvan <laughs> on Twitch, by the way, says that it has a name as well. It's called a thalassophobia, which is correct, by the way. Oh, oh right. Oh, fear of the open, right. open waters and that. Fear of, of, yeah, of, of the sea and open waters and, and, traveling on sea i think mostly oh, brilliant i like him he's one of the guys who's been to my barbecue i was gonna say just one quick personal story there because actually the most terrified i think i've ever been in my life was uh just snorkeling out or i used to live in the caribbean when i was a kid from the ages of 10 to 15 so when i was like 14 snorkeling off of what was called the wall it's a 2000 foot drop that uh divers love because they just go down and they can explore the wall and things like that but it's the shelf it's a plate shelf and the thing is you're swimming out there and it's all blue and it's like, oh, it's Caribbean. It's beautiful, beautiful. All of a sudden, you cross what looks like a drawn line in the ocean where it goes this horrible deep blue black color. And it's and the like- the temperature changes, right? Temperature does change. And, and I've never- in my life backpedaled with all the muscles in my body like I did then. And it's just something about the unknown, like looking up at you and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, and just back up like crazy. So anyway, quick story from- uh, This is why you should go to swimming pools. Go to swimming pools <laughs> especially with no sharks. If Especially if you've seen that movie, The Abyss, you'll know exactly oh, what that's yeah. like. Uh, anyway, all those movies, or The Meg. Just don't even the watch Meg. any of these things. These <laughs> yes. The Meg. Is Meggles in chat? I hope so. Um, I like that one. <laughs> I was going to say, so last one here, yeah. and I know we have, several of us have played this, uh, is now launching on PSVR. It's a horror game, because we've been talking about lovely horror experiences. A Chair in a Room Greenwater oh, is launching <sighs> on PSVR. Now, this game has had a long tenure um, and it, it was originally released, and this is, this is the kind of production release, actually. This was originally released on the Vive on the 5th of April in 2016. No. Wow. Then later. Originally, originally it came out on Google Cardboard. What? I said, no I way. A really? chair in a room. But it was a different, <laughs> it was a different game. Because I remember, I remember me oh. playing a chair in a room in Google Cardboard. Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I played it, I played like an earlier game. version of this than when it released, because I think I played it about 2015, um, but it released formally on, on Oculus Rift, 22nd of June, 2017. And now, you know, 23rd of April, 2019, we're finally landing it on, on the final console that we need to, you know, release this on. So it's a horror mm -hmm. mystery game. Uh, a lot of people tout this as having a strong use of room scale, uh, about a three hour long experience. And I'd say that there's, if I go by Steam reviews and my own personal opinion, um, this is a bit of a mixed bag. There is some suspenseful horror in here. There is some good detailing of textures and objects and interactivity. And actually, it's not a game that I would say, you know, um, I'm unhappy that I got to play. But it's probably one of those you do once and then you're, you're kind of done. So at a price tag of $25, I think that's a bit high, if I'm honest. Um, but what can I say? I'll just quote a guy from Steam here because I like I like the let's say the real aspect of of Steam quotes and I think this guy nailed it for my feelings as well in terms of a chair in a room. So he said, uh, "This is Mighty Mouse on Steam, who gave the game three out of five stars in his in his rating scale." He said, "Great ambiance, escape room esque, and immersive. And the downsides are it's pricey for the content, not actually as horrifying as it says." and relatively slow paced. And I felt the same. It yeah, kind of feels slow. like Louisiana. Like if I was to take Louisiana and turn it into a game, 
that's a chair in a room. So what did you guys wow. think of the original games when you played them? Are you kind of mixed on them? Do you, did you like it a lot? Well, slow, well, yes. I was, That's what I, was I remember. Scared. I, was, I just remember being scared <laughs> the entire game. Be, being scared while everything goes so slow is the, is the worst terrifying thing you can go for. Uh, talking about VR experiences that involve chairs, if you want a, a fun and uh, colorful uh, introduction to VR, sideline the chair is is, uh, is oh, great. So good. That uh, is such classic. It's class. It's classic, but it's one of those that I'm so glad didn't get cloned a hundred times. The, <laughs> the, the the thing with sightline is where you look is constant, and where you're not looking changes. And that's that's just like the whole underpin. I haven't seen anything else from Fruxius in a while. He's a Polish developer, and he made this, and it was really really good back in the day. So if you can get a build that works on your headset, definitely try it. That's a great recommendation, yeah, Nathan. It's one on of my Steam. favorites. It like blew my mind. Is he selling it though? Do you know, is it? I, I think it's free on Steam. I do have to double check. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good one though. And the final thing I'll say before giving it back to Mike, um, because Mike said this a bit earlier, uh, just keep in mind 26th of April, if you have the Nintendo VR Labo kit, you're getting a bit of an important patch upgrade with Mario and Zelda. So I'm very keen to hear from the lads how they find those uh, next mm. week's show me as well there you go cool cool well we've got two main topics today uh first up is the acer oho concept d headset <laughs> um we actually talked about something like this a little while ago back on the show in september we talked about the acer oho 500 which is the predecessor to this headset uh it's spelled ojo ojo but pronounced oho oho Yes. Oh, how? Who's, who's Do you home? guys still remember what episode that was? If you can guess in the if you can guess in the chat, then you're a real o, o, OG. Oh OG. But we actually joked back on on that show that we thought it was the worst name for a, a VR headset of all time, and I don't think my opinion has changed that much since. <laughs> I like it. It's a funny one too. It's, it's a terrible Say. name. It's a terrible name. <laughs> And also, if you're with not it, Spanish speaking, yeah. If you're or, not Spanish speaking, for Spaniards, it's perfect because it means I. Yeah. But other than yeah. that, it's like, what is the O? So they the yeah. So the original yeah. Oho. So that the Oho 500 so, is my, the one we talked about. Back I gotta in say, September. I gotta say, I gotta interrupt you there. One thing, they could do a Christmas release and do with the Acer Ho 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 for the Oho. They can that do is, a Christmas that promo. is a great. A you should work promo. for their marketing team. I feel like. Yo ho, sorry. Yo ho, ho. The yo yo edition. You know the the M and M version of this headset. <laughs> okay, uh, let's serious face now. My yeah, days. Sorry. Um, so yeah, the original Oho oh. 500 launched in November was priced at 399 US dollars. It's a Windows mixed reality headset and it's actually the second headset from Acer in the Windows mixed reality platform. Yep. Um, I checked this morning actually though that just like the Samsung Odyssey you can't buy the Oho 500 in the UK or in Europe. Yep. It was only oh. for sale in the US and only for sale via Acer's official website. So it wasn't even listed by Microsoft under their sort of Windows mixed reality range as a headset you could buy. So hmm. it kind of seems strange. Also on the Acer website it was completely out of stock, so I don't know really how many Oho 500s they actually sold. But well, they, huh? Wait, so we missed the boat. <laughs> I no, 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 this was the original one, the 500. Yeah, but then we still missed the boat. Yeah, I has never anyone knew... tried this? Anyone? Yeah, no one, no. no one tried it. No. no. So now six months <laughs> no later, they're bringing out their new uh, headset, which is the Oho Concept D, 
again, super weird name. Don't know why. Um, but the thing is about this headset and, you know, the OHO 500 and the OHO 500 uh, Concept D is that the whole sort of design ethos around it was kind of interesting in that the whole front of the headset could be removed from the head strap. And then, yeah, know, we, we did th- find it an interesting device. Yeah, we did find it interesting. And, yeah. that, you know, we thought, you know, you could upgrade a headset that way or, mm. you know, it could be used for like cleaning yeah. it. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. But let's let's talk about the specs of the new headset. Uh, because it looks identical to the Qualcomm reference design headset we saw back at CES. Mm. Uh, so the same angled front cameras. Um, it's only got two front cameras for tracking, by the way. Nothing's changed there. So the same mm. Windows Mixed Reality tracking system. Uh, but the main feature, the new feature, is the higher resolution displays. Because mm. the, o- the OHO 500 had two 1440 by 1440 panels, whereas the Concept D, the newer headset, has 2160 by 2160 panels, which is the same resolution as the brand new HP Reverb. So, you know, you're talking on parity with like the highest resolution headset you can buy in terms of the Windows Mixed Reality platform. So ah, yeah, kind of interesting. Impressive. Also in the chat, someone says VR Addict Videos to be more precise. It has an IPD slider. Take my money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I um, also saw someone else saying, Om Nom Dom says, set, oh no. but yeah they're completely right in the chat you know the the hp reverb has a fixed display and a software-based ipd adjustment whereas the the oho concept d has uh two displays that move around and has a mechanical ipd adjustment so if that's important to you and you have like an ipd range that's kind of slightly out of the normal Mm. which is around 64 then you know maybe this is the headset to go for if you're in the market for this kind Mm -hmm. of device so Um, so what what does the d stand for no idea. What does the F stand for? <laughs> In F reality. <laughs> uh, so um, Buck three one three one is uh, is is kind of like asking if you need a beast of a graphics card to run mm. this this uh, HMD this headset. Yes, you will. Uh, I think you know. Really, you want a, a twenty eighty uh, to get the best Whoa. out of it. Uh, this is minimal. The rec- no, this is recommended specs. Recommend Minimum was slightly less, but I think it's kind of pointless buying a headset like this if you don't have the recommended specs. You know, let's be honest about it. Well, if, yeah. you're gonna, <laughs> if you're going to spend 600 bucks on a, a super high-end headset, you can you should invest in a decent graphics card. You should have one already if you can spend 600 bucks uh, on a on a headset. But I, I, again, having gone backwards and done a lot of testing uh, post all these updates, ASW, and all the technologies that they've posted. I've been pleasantly surprised at how capable lower grade graphics cards are with modern headsets. So actually, if you are a bit of a cheap bastard like me, then you know buying the headset that you anyway have the money set aside for the new graphics card and seeing how it runs on your current whatever mm-hmm. 1080 Ti, then I still think that it might be worth yeah, a mean, go if you're not doing I, anything stressing like you know encoding or streaming or you know other stuff. I, I agree. Addition. I agree with that. But at the same time, when you're buying a VR headset, you should think a little bit about like maybe future proofing your device. Uh, since yeah, I mean well, the games that are being developed now and the devel- the games that were developed like a mm. year ago, there's a huge difference in performance. I mean, like, I run everything still on a 980 Ti, so I'm I'm no one to speak. But uh, I am thinking about upgrading, though. Yeah. Let, let's say sitting on the minimum is very tricky. Mm. It's always tricky to be sitting on the minimum because it works, but it also kind of doesn't. And you're always, well, you got to think creative. It's not like it doesn't work. 
but yeah, it's yeah. you would rather like to upgrade if but you know if you don't have the money sitting on the minimum it's yeah. not bad but it's also it's not, not great and it's and so trade um, and comfort about, as well right in certain titles like you'll you won't have, if you don't have that headroom and I don't mean mm -hmm. physical headroom in a headset. I mean, if you don't have the extra bandwidth for the for the application yes. to kind of breathe and give you the extra frames, you might find certain bits of applications underperforming as opposed to the whole yeah. thing, you know? But but the nice part is you can always, because if you're buying a PC headset, you can modify in terms of software. So that way you can, you can take down the costs and buy something that is maybe less, well, uh, VR ready, but can still do the trick. And you, as I said, you can be creative. You don't have to spend loads of money to uh, have have fun in vr yeah, it, exactly, it, yeah. it depends on what you're uh, what you what you prefer so something i wonder with this headset is this a is this a, a headset for consumers or is this for for b2b because the one from hp for example it's it's mainly focused towards uh, the industry and not really the consumers yeah exactly the same deal with this headset mainly okay. focused at b2b but i think you'll have the option to buy it if you are an enthusiast right. level consumer but again you know i think if you're an enthusiast level consumer really my advice to you right now would be hold off and see what valve is doing yeah. first before you even <laughs> consider dropping any money on anything else uh because you know we know that the the rift s is sort of establishing itself as like the kind of like you know the lower end headset although it's got some fairly decent specs but it's affordable at 400 bucks mm. we think you know the valve index is going to be up there with the sort of six to eight hundred range so this kind of sits in that bracket so again you just got to be sort of a bit mm. careful over the next few weeks i would say yeah. hold hold fire you can um, only spend your money once as they say yeah uh but exactly loads of times like <laughs> okay have you heard of a credit card no sorry <laughs> <laughs> but of course rowdy shoots money with a supreme gun yeah exactly of course the main sort of draw to this headset is the higher resolution though you know the 2160 by 2160 display is going to be like a super nice display you tried it in the hp reverb uh, uh, a recent event right nathy yes Yes. And what did you think in, in terms of display? You know, is it something that you'd be interested in using for gaming or? Yeah, well, it's it's a fine display for gaming, for, for simulators and stuff like that. It's just, as you said, there is such a big spectrum of, 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 of VR headsets now that it would be smart to wait until everyone launches their, their HMDs, then see how well they do, then see what content they also bring and what, well, what, what the, the main audience thinks and then you spend your money not right now because it's 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 tricky it's tricky it's like a gamble you're you're gambling with money if you do it now and i, I still stick by that you know although resolution is i mean if it's increased it's a nice bump up and it's uh, it's definitely noticeable it's it's not my number one priority in no. terms of buying a new headset I, uh, like the bump in resolution for me is not because i mean i have an hd vive pro and the headset i actually still use the most is the oculus rift the cv1 so Same. even though my PC can run it, it's just I prefer the the little bit of headroom, you know, the little bit of more smoothness, the, the little bit more comfort yeah. of like playing a playing a mm -hmm. VR game uh, compared to the bump in resolution. It is noticeable. I'm not gonna lie. Like, but once you're immersed in a game, that small bump up in resolution. I'm, of yeah. course, I'm not comparing a, a no. 1K to an 8K headset. Yeah. Of course, I'm <laughs> sure there's a big difference there. But uh, a small bump in resolution yeah. is, for me personally, not worth no. um, only upgrading for. I'm, 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 I'm on board with you. I think that, uh, a, a, let's say, a low resolution is, is not an immersion or deal breaker in any way. Mm. Talking yeah. about the Nintendo Switch that has a little bit of a better resolution than the Oculus Rift DK1, and it's still, you know, you're totally in there. So again, 
doesn't doesn't matter but it's it it depends on you personally what you like you know yeah exactly this some people it. own a a 4k 4, 4k tv and some people don't and uh, some people like to watch watch it that way but some people don't they don't care so it's it's with everything you know technology wise some people have wireless ear uh, uh bots and other people have it with a wire and they don't care either so it's the same with headsets it's the same story same deal yeah, so this this headset's going to cost you like six hundred bucks, uh, wow. roughly. Uh, you know, we don't know the exact price, but it's mm. got the same specs as the HP Reverb, so it's it would the same be kind like, of price too. So yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is, you know, the main sort of selling feature I thought was this of this headset is the fact that you could possibly upgrade it by just mm. removing the lenses and the front panel, and then mm. you know buying the upgraded version and then just slotting that on, but. That doesn't seem like that's actually going to be the case. You can't just buy no. the new lenses with the new displays and then just slot it on your, your OHO 500 if you bought that headset, if you could find one. Um, mm. That's not going to be the case. Apparently, this whole removable part of this headset, the reason why they do it is for businesses and high-volume sort of traffic uh, applications where they want to clean it and use it for hygiene reasons. Yeah. So mm. it, it's not Makes for sense. upgrading, which is a shame because that would be a really cool feature and something that I would probably look into mm, and yeah. sort of buy into especially if i knew that Modular. i didn't have to yeah, yeah re replace the head strap and the controllers yeah. each upgrade i wanted i could just upgrade that yeah. module yeah because when you, when you invest in in particular the human interface aspect right like you get your vr cover you get your dual audio head yeah. strap or whatever you get the head touching bit sorted you do want the front end to, to be the bit that changes right and i suppose as technology moves on there will be space for a modular headset um mm -hmm. it'd be interesting well. to see who does well in that space eventually yeah you know? actually like if, if you look at it like phones have been going on that route for like i mean it's never happened but we've been talking about modular phones mm. for like so long where google you can, like, shift out the camera and shift in a better camera get a better mm -hmm. process that would be awesome like but then of course nobody would buy a new phone they would just buy upgrades uh, so and, the, and, the and trouble and, with that is engineering though right yeah, yeah, like the way that the um the, the fine the fine way they fuse the screen to the case and all that stuff now like i don't think you'll see that going into no. a mobile phone in any in any and you're still positive uh, and and you yeah. give people a, a reason to to buy a new phone if if you can modify it people will stay longer with what they already have That's so there a lot of money is getting made like google blocks was this project that they once had and i don't know where it went now but it's something anyways um om dumps says it all makes sense now well we're glad we could help you out with this uh oho yeah oho. so that that is the oho we don't know when it's coming out likely priced around 600 bucks similar specs to the hp reverb but the main benefit is that oh, it has curious. mechanical IPD adjustment. So if that's your bag yeah. and your B2B business looking for a new headset, maybe this is the one you're looking yeah. for. Um, but let's move on then to a new segment of the show. Ooh. Brand new. Brand new. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be passing it over to Rowdy because uh, he's, he's, he's got this new segment of the show. And it's where Rowdy gives us a bit of science. Uh, because little a known fact, little known fact about Rowdy is he's actually a scientist. You you wouldn't believe oh, it, what? but he don't, is. Don't don't hype it up now. Yeah. Don't hype it up because I I was about to start with saying like, oh, you have to understand, I'm not an expert on the matter. You know, I'm I'm just someone who's very interested in in, in science in general. So I mean, I do read a lot and I do look a lot of stuff up. Um, but yeah, I wanted to uh, today like talk a little bit about. Uh, well, basically, I started out of thinking like, um, what is like the ideal virtual reality display 
ROI. So I wanted to start with a couple of concepts, talking about refresh rate, frame rates, the difference between these kind of things and uh, start with that. And also explain just very briefly how our eyes work and how it's different from, for example, cameras and displays and screens. Um, so I'll start with explaining what basically the difference is between uh, frame rate and refresh rate. So the refresh rate, I wrote it down on the slide here as well, is basically the number of times in a second that the display hardware updates its buffer. Now, this is completely different from the frame rate because the refresh rate includes the repeated drawing of identical frames, while frame rate actually measures how often a video source can feed an entire frame of new data to a display. So you can have identical frames that are being displayed just because your refresh rate is higher. That's also why it makes no sense to, for example, have a monitor of 60 frames uh, of 60 hertz, but actually running a frame rate of 75 frames per second because you can't beat the refresh rate of your monitor makes perfect sense. Uh, also, I have a little bit of a video, but since we're running actually on a on a on a 720p stream, I don't really think it's going to be it's going to be working as it should be. But uh, it's basically a video that shows the difference between 60 hertz and 30 hertz, and it also slows it down on the slow mo. You can probably see it better. Yeah. But you can see it the 60 hertz. Mm -hmm shows much more of a smoother image rather than what the uh, the um, the um, how's it called the uh, 30 hertz actually does uh, instead. Now, um, also on the right, I have an image with the, a mouse cursor, which shows the, the stepping effect. Uh, so if you move your, your mouse frame from left to right, um, you can basically see that there's, um, this is an image that's gonna come later as well. You can see that there's certain steps that the image is shown so it, it doesn't show a continuous line but the higher that the refresh rate of your screen actually becomes the more likely you'll see like a continuous kind of streak which you see more on the on the 720 hertz rather than anywhere else um so that's basically what the, the difference is between refresh rate and between uh, frame rate. Um, now, why does this actually matter? That basically comes from the old days with CRT monitors. They basically had a very high refresh rate, but they had um, they did that basically to get less flickering, something that is not really that much of a problem anymore with LCD and OLEDs because they usually use a higher uh, refresh rate anyway. Now, another reason why this is very important is basically for, uh, for motion, um, since we have different kind of, um, our brain basically interprets motion at uh, the speed that it sees the images. So it's, what we're basically doing is we're trying to fool our brain into seeing motion, but we're actually just seeing still frames. So if you run something at, in the, in the top, you see a ball running at five frames per second, it's, it, the, the frame rate is not high enough for a brain to see it as motion. It basically sees it as uh, a single images that basically pop up every single time. Um, at 15 frames per second, this is kind of like the, the magical number because then our brain starts interpreting this as motion sure. rather than as still frames that are being you know, shown separately. At 30 frames per second, that effect is even stronger. So we, we see like differences between these different frame rates for sure. Does that mean that anything above 15 frames per second is redundant? I think we all know the answer to that one. That is an obvious no. So there's a lot of people that are actually out there saying, especially if you go on like Reddit and that kind of stuff, like, uh, oh, but our eyes can only see X frames per second. Some say 24 frames per second or 30 frames per second, especially console peasants that say that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> but that's, that, that's just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, if, if you remember that we said in the beginning, we said that we, we fool our brain by representing images at a fast enough rate so that 
perceives it as, as, as it is in motion. But that's not what, I, what actually happens in the real world because we don't see frames per second. That's not how our eyes work. We see things at a continuous rate. So if you basically look at how our eyes work, they're, they're not cameras at all. They do not capture still frames because motion is something that is continuous. And the way that we perceive vision is by either seeing direct light, such as a lamp, or the reflection of light. So that can be then objects that are reflecting light. So we have lamps that we can see and we can see the reflection of light. And then that light hits the rods and the cones that make part of, uh, of our retina. And they digitalize this signal, sending it to our brain. And then an image is formed, which is much more of an analog way of, of forming an image rather than um, a digital one, because it's more based on like how the signal is changing opposed to like the previous image that, uh, that turned into. Um, now, in terms of like, I, I, I did some research on to like find out like what is like basically the the maximum amount of frames per second that we can see. And there's also a big difference in between that because I know that uh, the United Air Force, they did a test in, with, their with their pilots to see uh, if pilots could distinguish small differences uh, in, in light. And they did this by experimenting uh, with a picture of an aircraft that was flashed on a screen at 1 220th time of a second. So that's one, uh, what, 220 frames per second, basically, but just showing one, one frame. Um, and the pilots were consistently able to see the after image and they could also identify the aircraft. So this basically is proof that we can see mm -hmm. frame rates that is way higher than 60 frames, 120 frames, 240 frames per second. Um, so that, that, that's basically the proof. And I got this little mm -hmm. video as well, but it's again, we were only streaming at 30 frames per second. So you only see a very brief flash, but mm -hmm. that's kind of imitating the test that they, that they were doing. Now, in order to get real motion, we need to get far higher frame rates. But the higher frame rates that we get, we get a little bit, uh, they call it like the law of diminishing returns. So you can very clearly see the difference between 30 and 60 frames per second. But if you go to higher amounts of frames between like, for example, 120 and 140, that becomes much harder to do it. I'm not saying it's impossible, since there are definitely people that can pick it out every single time. But that does make it a lot harder. So a lot of that actually depends on the scene that we're being that is being shown on the screen. If this is, for example, playing Hearthstone, then if you're playing it at 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second, that's not going to matter much. But if you're, for example, playing Counter Strike or a game that is showing very high intensity scenes, there is a much larger benefit from this. Mm. Now. There's another thing as well. Movies are always shown at 24, 24 frames per second. The majority of the movies are. There, there are some movies that have also experimented, experimented with this. For example, The Hobbit. They have oh, yeah. shown it at 48 yeah. frames per second. But a lot of people find that really weird. So I tried to figure out why that was as well. Um, and that actually has to do with two things. Um, first is um, our brains are kind of trained to see movies at 24 frames per second. Because at 24 frames per second, what movies use a lot is motion blur. Uh, now, there's a lot of confusion around motion blur, especially in games. But what motion blur basically is, is the, is the streaking of moving objects in a photograph or a sequence of frames, such as a film or an animation. And it results when the image being recorded changes during the recording of a single exposure. So due to rapid movement or long exposure. And this results in a very natural motion effect because our eyes themselves they also work that way because if you hold your hand in front of your eyes and you move it at a certain speed, at a, all of a sudden you will, st yeah, 
exactly everyone does it your eye will not be able to track it anymore if you do it slow there's no motion blur but if you speed it up you all of a sudden see motion blur because your eye is not able to track anymore um, and that's what happens because um our eyes move with saccades so very quick eye movements in order to track it um we also have a smooth pursuit which is another way of tracking with our, with our eyes and that is to eliminate motion blur but when velocities of i think greater than um, 30 frames per second then they will need to go into a saccade movement which will introduce motion blur now with games it gets even more complex because a camera captures a moment over a length of time which is the image that i've shown here so you can condense that that uh, that exposure into a static frame introducing natural motion blur but with video game graphics they produce an immediate graphic snapshot of a point in time they, they it's basically a discrete frame while with cameras and our eyes we have a continuous frame which is a large difference but games do add uh, motion blur artificially but this is completely different as it's not captured by a camera or eye um, but it's typically needed to get a more natural kind of effect and it also i'm not 100 percent sure of this but i also believe it reduces eye fatigueness in longer play sessions um, but to achieve natural motion blur this is where it gets very interesting uh, we would need displays of incredibly high frame rates and i'm, I'm talking about plus a thousand frames per second of a thousand hertz um, because real life basically has no frame rate that's like i said in the beginning our eyes don't work that way so we can never perfectly match reality but uh, we can achieve reality by getting up to that point with using a very very high uh, frame rate um, there's some very interesting literature on there as well um i found a little bit of stuff on that on the on um, virtual reality as well mainly coming from oculus who have been doing a lot of research on this um they they've been introducing techniques like the black frame insertion insertion because if you remember with the initial dk1 and i, I don't know if it was still dk2 but you had a lot of streaking that was happening as well when you moved move the image and that was also a limitation of the of the refresh rate of the screen so and basically to eliminate that they inserted black frames in between certain frames in order to reduce that effect um but motion blur in virtual reality it's not that commonly used and i find that interesting because i just said oh it's a natural way of looking at at at, at things just in life but there's a, a big problem um and i did i found some really cool topics on it on reddit uh, but there's a problem with with vr headset like i said before they already introduce a lot of motion blur that's why they did the black frame insertion so it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense that they would try to introduce motion blur on a headset while they previously tried to eliminate motion blur um so that that would take an enormous amount of processing power and we're still limited by resolution so to take away resolution from that to increase motion blur it doesn't make a lot of sense and i think that is the main reason uh, and there was also an article that i found from michael abresh himself that also goes into depth in this a, a little bit more i'll read what he says um he says if we could make the frame rate infinite we could see exactly the same as our eye could would perceive but unfortunately an infinite frame rate is not an option but somewhere between 60 hertz and infinity there must be a frame rate that is good enough so that the eye can't tell the difference the question of course is what is that frame rate and there is no answer to that question at this point in time they're doing a lot of research of course but 
that there is no answer at the moment because it depends a lot on the scene content like we've discussed before the resolution the field of view the pixel fill the display type the speed of eye motion characteristics of the eye but you can tell for sure that 100 hertz is nowhere near enough even 200 hertz it would be a significant improvement but it would still not be enough the sweet spot for 1080p at 90 frames uh, 90 degrees field of view is probably somewhere between the 300 hertz and the 1000 hertz wow um, although higher frame rates would be required to hit the sweet spot at even higher resolutions My so poor please graphics card jesus stop making stop making higher resolution displays we first need to fix the 1080p so a thousand hertz display, a thousand hertz display would very likely look great, and would also certainly reduce or eliminate a number of other HMD problems, such as motion sickness, um, because it would interact with the visual system in a in a way that it mimics reality much more closely than existing displays. He has no way of knowing that for sure, because there are no one thousand hertz <laughs> head-mounted displays, uh, and he also doesn't expect there to be. Well, he, he, he was very brutal in this, actually. He says, and I don't ever expect to try it. So wow. he doesn't see it happening uh, anytime soon. Damn it. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hear I they Nvidia, say that. They I know that he Nvidia that. is working a lot on like 600 hertz displays and that kind of stuff. So, wow. I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to stay, stay positive. So to conclude, the ideal VR display has a refresh rate that allows a frame rate that is so high that our eyes would perceive it as natural motion. I like Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. Applause. This was. Uh, yeah, I love. I love that. Beautiful. My <laughs> eyeballs are uh, are ready here. Yeah. yeah. So. So that was super interesting, Radia. I really appreciate you taking the time to do all this research for us because I think it was really interesting. It's kind yeah. of one of those things that I really want to listen back to as well now. But the thing is that what it kind of made me realize is on mm -hmm. the conclusion of it is that we really are like. In, in in like the very beginning of all this you know like we're we're so early um we're like the earliest of early adopters right now and yeah. although we've got all these exciting things happening in our sort of like space we'll look back in the future and sort of see how rudimentary it all probably was um and i i can only just imagine what a headset in like a hundred years would look like you know mm. in terms of its refresh rate and resolution the, the, the thing that i found the most interesting is that you know a lot of people are like saying oh, it's, oh the resolution needs to be higher and the resolution needs to be higher but they don't realize the complications that come with like those higher resolution headsets and i i would much rather like like michael abrash says himself like fix the 1080p resolution, get those high high frame rates to get that much more natural kind of, because the resolution for me, I keep on saying it, it's not the big thing. Like, okay, higher resolutions are nicer, but if you can get more immersed or less motion sick from using, you know, lower resolutions, then I think that is a, that is a better way to go forward. And I really look forward to like the technology developing in that kind of direction. Mm. So, I mean, if there are any questions from you guys or from the chat, of course, like feel free to, mm. to ask them. I'll do yeah. my best to answer them <laughs> well, uh, as best as I can. In the chat, uh, Meatball Saucy says, just finished a science fair project with my son on this exact same topic. Very cool, Rowdy. And then Victor Riddle says, I'm like Neo right now. I know frame rate Kung Fu. <laughs> and, and 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 some people said like hey where is rowdy his lab code where is rowdy is like his, hey, i can his only apples wear one on the outfit desk an episode <laughs> yeah i know yeah it becomes kind of like a cosplay party here but uh, people yeah. want you to dress up next time with you yeah. know all this <laughs> also stereotype. interesting um since there's been like some confusion with like the 80 hertz and the 90 hertz the reason why we 
that I don't see that that much of a problem. Mm. Of course, higher is better, but the difference between eighty and ninety hertz for it's, it's not that big, you know. Right. Like it's not like the difference between, for example, thirty and twenty. You know, mm. it's it, there's that law of diminishing returns that the higher frame rates they are better. The eyes will become less fatigued probably mm. because you get more natural motion um, or closer to closer to mimic reality. But it's the 10 hertz is not going to make the, the huge difference. The guy, what you're basically saying is the gap between 80 hertz and 1,000 hertz versus 90 hertz and 1,000 hertz isn't that discernible. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But exactly. It's, a, it's a really interesting point that you make in that, you know, we're, we're pushing higher resolution, higher resolution all the time, all these different headsets. No one's really pushed higher than 90 hertz in terms of a refresh rate of a headset yet. Mm -hmm. So maybe over the next few years, we're going to see more headsets pushing refresh rate. Also, mm -hmm. also, don't be fooled by those like TVs that like advertise like, you know, what is like 900 hertz or like, because they use like a, a very shady technique, which is like interpolation of interpolation. frames. Yep. So they're actually running at much lower refresh rates, but they're basically like copying frames to like mm. make it it's like ASW. look nicer. But I, yeah. I am interested where we go with um, with some of the new like RTX chips in that, because what we what we should be able to achieve, like what they're what they've already aimed in in the kind of white papers for this material is, you know, guessing that middle frame and guessing what the frame after that would be and guessing. So there might actually be a kind of a digitized equivalent of stepping from frame a to frame b and, and then mm. if your hardware can handle that refresh rate which i don't think to mike's point current hardware can if there was a headset that could achieve a thousand even if it was only actually producing and rendering a hundred of those frames the interpolation mm. using the neural network on the rtx chip might actually be able to give you that feeling you know 10, 20, 30 years before it would have actually hit the market. And, yeah. and you and might not be able to discern the difference between that and the real thing. And the funny thing is something similar kind of happened with all the hardware, especially on the, on the PlayStation 2, because they introduced like to get like more like a natural effect. They introduced motion blur for the first time there. And yeah. as, as people who played on the PlayStation 2 and played those games with motion blur, it was awful. And the main reason for that was, was because the frames per second that they were pushing was not high enough for it to be perceived as natural. So mm. they were pushing technology that just wasn't, if they would wasn't do that ready. now, and because yeah. motion blur throughout the years in games has improved a lot. Like, I mean, a lot of people still turn it off because of that era, but motion blur itself is not a negative thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something natural, something that needs to be there in order to be perceived because we can't reach those thousand frames per second. If we would reach a thousand frames per second, our eyes would naturally create, or our brain would naturally create that motion blur because our eyes wouldn't be able to track mm. um, anymore every well, frame. Chad said this earlier, and I wanted to repeat this because I, I, I felt this as well. Uh, the brand said, this is awesome information. It's really good to hear this. I think it's a nice yeah. sidestep from the podcast, different from the norm. Um, I applaud mm. you for the the professional yeah. presentation that we got. That was that was really nice. Uh, you know, thanks, thanks. Coming across. Fun, yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, my background is electric electronic engineering. So actually, a lot of the stuff like the semiconductor labs and that, uh, where mm -hmm. Oculus have set up in Cork. You know, mm -hmm. some of my buddies are like going for those jobs in that because if they're you know ten years in semiconductor and yeah. that's where Oculus is employing. And yeah. So it's all really well connected here, and I think that. For me, again, with that history, it's, it's a really exciting thing to hear about. Like that kind of detail mm. 
some people might get turned off to, but I'm the absolute opposite. Like I hear that and I just go, you just talked about this 15 Hertz rule. I now want to know more. And I want to know if, um, you know, there's any parity between that and like this, um, this 16 beats a second beat saber crowd who are able to somehow both sample that with their eyes and achieve those kinds of scores. So anyway, I'm going to have to do some research in the background on the back of that, but excellent yeah, job. Really. Ab- absolutely. And I think, you know, it's something that we want to do more of in the future. You know, it's not going to be every episode, but like maybe like once a month, maybe twice yeah. a month. Uh, yeah. And if, if the chat has any topics where they would like to well, you know, know they more do. about, then they do. They were to drop them and then uh, we'll I'll were... take a look at them as well. They were constantly talking about audio as well, you know, spatial yeah. audio. Yeah, so that yeah, that's yeah. one that is uh, very uh, hot as well. Mm. But you know, I think these these opportunities of talking about Hertz, for example, are usually not on the horizon. Uh, all these these companies selling VR headsets are just putting uh, the amount of Hertz in the specs list on Amazon, eBay, or wherever, and people have no idea. Uh, mm. I came from from film school, so I, I know how Hertz works and stuff like that. But if you never went to school to learn that stuff or you, well, get to to hear Rowdy talk about it or somewhere else, then you have no idea what you are buying into. And that's why you so so many people panic, for example, with this Rift S, like, oh, it's 80 Hertz. But then mm-hmm. there are other people say like, yeah, but I have a headset with 72 Hertz and I have one that is 90 Hertz and I have this one, I have that one. So having this kind of breaks that and, and and then you're like well it's not that bad and yeah. now i finally understand what this means and then it's different yeah the way exactly you think about it so. in, in the grand scheme of things you know we're at the very beginning anyway so yeah, like it, it, a fraction of a difference is going to make any difference and yes we, we noticed that when we had hands on with the rift s anyway yep. um but yeah, it's, it's been a super interesting show and I really appreciate you putting the effort in, Rowdy. Uh, yeah, so no thanks problem. again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks again, dude. Uh, if mm-hmm. you have got any questions, now's a great time while I wrap up the show and just to remind you that this is a weekly VR, AR, NMR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Tune into the show live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, 12 midday in Central US. If you want to catch up with the audio version, you can check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Anchor. Leave us a nice review and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you enjoy the show so yes. you get updated when we go live yep. next week. And um, slam a like on this video. <laughs> <laughs> Do that as well. So if you've got any questions, now's the time. Yeah, uh, I saw I saw some people that were talking about the PlayStation VR saying it was a 120 hertz, which... Uh, if I'm correct, they run it at uh, 60 frames per second, but it's reprojected to 120, which yeah. is again, it's it's not the same thing. You know, yeah. it's 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 a very different thing still. You're absolutely right, and this is something that I talked to uh, Ubisoft about when I visited their office to check out Space Junkies on the PSVR because that was I was super interested in how it ran on that uh, mm-hmm. console. Um, and yeah, he com- he completely confirmed that it does actually run at 60 frames per second on that headset. So yeah. again, you know, when you start talking about hertz and frames, mm-hmm. when I play the PSVR, I don't think, oh, you know, this is really weird experience. I just yeah. enjoy the game, you know. So good point, good point, well made. Yeah. Well, that's that. One final thing I'll mention, just because it's their last week of their Kickstarter campaign, Mike, is Firmament, the guys behind Abduction. Uh, I did actually get to play that a little bit earlier in the week, and um, you, you threw me the way of the birds earlier, so I didn't get a chance to talk about it. I won't I won't say much, other than the, uh, the devs had uh, provided me an, an alpha build, uh, which wasn't complete, but 
what was there was was really tantalizing. Um, and I've actually urged the team. I said, look, guys, if you're trying to get money through and they've still got like 300 grand to raise on a 900 grand. I mean, they've already raised a huge chunk, but they're only two thirds of the way there. Um, and, and I think it would be a huge shame because uh, Abduction was a fantastic game. This is the creators of Rift, uh, Cyan. And I, I, I was really smitten with the little cube companion thing that hovers. It's like a, it's like a magic eight ball and it, it hovers and you grab it and then you use it as this object. It almost becomes like this companion of yours just in this, in this early demo, but the kind of the sound design, the levels, you, you felt like you were standing on top of the Himalayas in one segment. And it, it's all what Cyan are known for, like gorgeous environments. Um, and it, and the worst part about it is I had this sinking feeling as I was approaching the end of the demo. Um, and I was like, I, this, this might be a game I don't get to play. And I hate that feeling. You know, it's the same thing that I know Nathan and I have felt back in the, you know, DK1, DK2 days. If you play something, you're like, this is, the, this is a beautiful design mechanic. I want this later. And I, I really hope that they can get some more backers behind them. And if this Kickstarter doesn't work out for them, I mm. hope they can formulate a plan that does allow them to bring firmament yeah. because it's i didn't know about it for like months and months and months i'd heard about it and then it kind of went quiet again and I heard about the kickstarter but it's a game that really is is deserving and if you're into puzzles the kind of puzzle environment that isn't so like you're not being led by your nose firmament is another game that just deserves to be out there and be made so i just wanted to give them a little bit of a platform yeah. there at the end of the show to say you know check it out guys if you if you haven't i think pd's just linked the project there Hopefully they they can get funding in some way, you know, maybe work together with Oculus Studios or or maybe getting yeah. getting a bit of money from Sony to to do an exclusive on on the PlayStation platform. I don't know, but yeah. hopefully there are some some options for them. They're, too, cur they're currently know? sitting at uh, nine hundred sixty thousand dollars or eight hundred fourteen thousand uh, euros Whoa. out of their one point one million goal. Well, that's a lot closer oh. than the last time I looked at it. We're actually we could actually push this thing over. Sweet. It's just because you spoke about it, it just went up. Just if after a few <laughs> seconds, there you go. Yeah, like a hundred k. Bam, here, bam. <laughs> but again, uh, thanks, Rowdy, for blessing my my four eyeballs with your amazing story. I really yes. enjoyed it. Yes. If no you uh, if you did enjoy the podcast, let us know. <laughs> if you want to hear more from Rowdy talking about sort of scientific and getting in depth with some of these subjects, then again, let us know in the comments of the video once it's live or post us a, a message on twitter would really appreciate it we hope you have a great week in vr fingers crossed some news on the valve index we'll keep you posted Ooh. next week if we do hear anything please have a great week get hyped for the quest coming soon see you next week and bye-bye for now take care cheers bye-bye bye-bye see ya, see ya.